God designs us in a specific way and then allows experiences to come into our lives that continue to shape us into who we are. We talk about these stories in a podcast that we call Ridgecrest Stories, a podcast of Ridgecrest Baptist Church. My name is Lance Griffin. I'm the recreation minister here at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and this podcast was designed to talk to the people at Ridgecrest about what makes them who they are. And today we are talking to Bradley Roper. He is the contemporary worship minister and college minister here at Ridgecrest. And Bradley, you've been with us here at Ridgecrest for how long? Unofficially and officially. (laughs) Yes. So January the 12th was our first Sunday, uh, not only on staff at Ridgecrest, but also our first Sunday visiting the church. So (laughs) That's a good way to get familiar. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) So you were here for a couple of months and then everything turned upside down. Oh yeah. Fun times. But, uh, you know, quarantine and all of those things uh, made things a little difficult. And then our beloved Jonathan Blair and the Blair fam moved away uh, in May, I guess. And then that kind of got turned over to me. So yeah, I think since May would be the official. So you came here January the 12th uh, and you had been familiar with Ridgecrest before because Full disclosure, you and I worked together in the <laughs> college ministry here at Ridgecrest back in the day. So there was at least some familiarity. The good old days, yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Oh, the man, those are some of my fondest memories, I think, in ministry. And it's really cool to think about being in the college building and what all the Lord taught me over there years ago when it was Acts 29 and Epicenter, and now getting to be back in that building again every Wednesday night. Um, and leading that ministry is really just kind of surreal, but yeah, you and Mark Anderson, and, uh, we had a great little band over there, met a lot of folks that I still, uh, have a lot of communication with and even still lead worship with today too. So that was a really cool ministry in my life. For someone who in myself, I'm not musically inclined, but I love music. So I always love asking, uh, music guys, uh, about their ministries and, when you are on stage leading worship, I wonder how difficult it may be to separate the performance from the worship because you are in a leadership standpoint and there are things that that you, I assume, are trying to do to help bring the members into a, a worshipful state, but also you're worshiping yourself. Yeah, Um That is something that I think that I take an active guard against um, as much as I can, because you're right. I mean, there is an element of it, and it's weird to think about that my job is worshiping and leading people in worship, but also we're here to worship the Lord. And when you don't do that with your full heart, when you're not really worshiping the Lord, but it is a performance, the environment just really suffers because we're not... I tell our team all the time, we're not leading in songs. We're not leading in anything like that. We're leading in worship. So if we're not in a place in our spiritual life where we come in ready to worship the Lord on a Sunday morning, then what are we, what are we here for? We're doing nothing except a performance, and that's not why we're here. But yes, finding a lot of anchor points. Um, I love to write out lyrics of songs that we're going to do. I love to pray over those lyrics. I love to think about times when some of these lyrics have been very applicable to my life and 
the lives of my family and times that God has done some of these things, like we do a song called Egypt and the bridge of it says, you stepped into my Egypt and took me by the hand and marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And I think about things that the Lord has delivered me from and certain fears and things like that. And I, and I anchor onto those points and I, I actively think of those points as I'm singing songs like that um, so that I can focus on what the Lord has done in my life and why I'm worshiping rather than just focusing on what I'm doing in a song. I think along those lines too, there it's a good thing. There's a sea of options available now for worship music that you probably have to pour through an awful lot. What are you looking for when you say, okay, we're going to use this. This is going to be something that we're going to use. Or you may look at something and say, this is not quite for us. I think it's uh, really important to know your audience as much as you can. So here at Ridgecrest, you know, I've, I've been tasked with this congregation that we have, and I don't fully know the <laughs> Ridgecrest congregation yet because, like we said, I got here in January and then COVID-19 hit, and it's been a really weird <laughs> year for church uh, all the way around, and it's uh, just not getting to be able to know as many people quickly. Um, but knowing your audience and what the Lord is teaching the people of the church is critical. And I've noticed there's a lot of songs that um, really talk about the character of God. Like there's a song that we do uh, in the second hour called Great I Am. Hallelujah, holy, holy, God almighty, great I am. Who is worthy, none beside thee. That, that is the songs of the bigness and the might and the, the power of God really seem to resonate with this church family. And then I think a second sort of answer besides knowing your congregation and what the Lord is doing uh, is also, like I said a minute ago, if there's a song that I hear that really just resounds strongly in my heart and the Lord reminds me of a time when some lyrics in this song were so true in my life, I almost just have to do it. Um, I know because I'll be able to connect to it so strongly and I'll be able to communicate with our team. Like, here's why this song is so exciting and things like that. Anything that makes it more personal um, and just remembering what the Lord has done for me, but then also focusing on our audience and knowing what the Ridgecrest congregation responds to and what they don't. And it's, it's really cool how I think every house of worship is different and some of the things that they would connect really strongly with, but it's been really fun to learn the Ridgecrest family and what seems to really work here. So when it's just you, if you're driving to work or from work or just driving around, what are you listening to right now? So this is probably the most random thing in the world, but um, I, I have a tendency to not listen to a lot of music in the car. I have a tendency to be uh, very silent and spend a lot of time in prayer and things like that when, when I'm just in my car. Um, <clears throat> but as far as worship music goes, um, I, I love Elevation Worship. They just have some of the best lyrics. Um, I have really been um, a huge fan of their last couple of albums, and and it's it's hard to not do like every single song on, <laughs> on albums. Uh, I just, it's, oh, this one's great. Let's do it. This one's great. Let's do it. 
But um, I do love Elevation Worship. I listen to them a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. Um, now, you are married, and you've been married how long? Oh, gosh, I can't believe it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> eight years. <laughs> eight years. Yeah. How did you and Cassidy meet? We met. Um, I used to live in Ashford, and she did too, and we went to church together, and that's where we met. And y'all saw each other for how long before you, you went ahead and got married? Well... <laughs> We, uh, let's see, we started dating on December the 1st of 2010, and we got engaged on December the 1st of 2011, and then we got married in September of 12. As a guy that you can remember those three dates, that's got to be worth some kind of... Brownie points, man. You know, I got to gotta do what you can. So. Yeah. Uh, you've got it on your <laughs> Google calendar. Admit it. That's how you remember. Don't, don't tell everybody. I'm looking at my laptop right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and you have uh, you have two young children. Who are they? Yes. Ellery is our little five-year-old girl, and Amoson is our little boy. He's uh, just over a year and a half. Now, we're, we call this podcast Rich Crest Stories, and we talk about how God designs us in a certain way, and He allows experiences to come into our life to make us who we are. And and certainly, uh, the birth of a child is going to do that to everyone. <laughs> it's going to be a life changing experience. But but certainly, uh, especially with with Amoson, uh, the journey with him has been really one to experience for you and Cassidy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, what a story. Uh, I think the Lord has taught us so much about ourselves and about His grace and His mercy. There's just an unending um, application <laughs> here. But Amoson was born uh, with bilateral clubfoot. And um, out of any birth defect that you can have, it is the most common. Uh, the numbers are 1 in 1,000. Um, every 1 in 1,000 kids are born with at least one foot that is a club foot. And it just means it's kind of twisted up. Your toes are sort of pointing up in the air. His feet were really deformed and bent um, and bilateral, meaning it was both of them. So when Amoson was born, we discovered this. We didn't realize uh, we had not seen it on any ultrasounds or anything. So the day that he was born, uh, it was a big, a big shock. <laughs> that was the first time we saw it. And so on, on the birth of your son and seeing that, and sometimes you know in advance, obviously, with, with defects, but seeing that uh, as he is being born, what goes through your mind? Oh, man. Um, you know, when our little girl was born, it was just tears and joy and just a whirlwind. Wow, this is there's a an, another human in the room now, you know? I mean, it was just incredible. And of course we had all of those feelings and everything when Amoson was born, but um, we couldn't even really sort of savor the moment. Uh, it was just so much shock. And uh, I immediately looked at Cassidy and said, did, did you, did you see that? You know? And uh, she, she said, I did. And I just started crying and I said, I don't think he's okay. I, I, something's wrong. He's not okay. My mind immediately went into dad mode of what are the next steps? What happens now to my son? It, will he, will he walk? Will he, we, we didn't know anything. You know, now we have a lot of education about it and hindsight is 2020, but there in the moment when everything is so 
fresh and you have no idea what's going on, uh, there was a lot of fear for sure. When things kind of rock right along, it's really easy, I think, for for Christians to to talk about their faith and being faithful when you're kind of rocked in the moment like that and something just just uh, hits you from out of the blue, what was that moment like as far as just your interaction with God and, and thoughts and prayers? I um, personally, you know, I, I think this kind of transparency is good um, to talk about because often in, in the church and the lives of believers, we, we don't really talk about it. It's okay to have fear sometimes. You, you can't help that that is going to rush in is what you do with it, you know, that matters. And um, we never lost trust in the Lord. Um, we never, you know, didn't believe that he had a, a great plan. But uh, my very first thoughts were clearly he won't be able to walk. I mean, if you could have seen what his feet looked like in that moment. And my first thought was, you know, embarrassingly enough, Lord, why would, why would you do this? Why would you do this to Amoson? You know, um, and it was very difficult to process. It took a couple of days, um, to sort of calm down, remember promises of, of scripture. Um, we had a lot of nerves in the hospital about what, what happens next, not knowing the process made the fear even worse. Um, but then once we were finally able after a, a few weeks to get to Birmingham and see a specialist that knew all about this and treated it countless times daily, um, we were able to have a lot of peace, um, a lot more peace about it and begin to trust the Lord, not even knowing what was going to come and how much he would really show himself to us and prove to us that he was there in the midst of this and that Amoson's clubfoot was his plan before we could ever even see that. Um, I don't know that it's just a, a big thing to process. Um, but yeah, we did have a few days there for sure, especially before we made it home, we were still in the hospital. You know, we didn't even really unwrap his, swaddling blanket or anything. We didn't really want people to see his feet. Um, and it wasn't because we were ashamed. We just didn't have any answers. We mm -hmm. knew that there would be a million questions and we, we didn't know how to answer any of them. So we kind of stayed quiet about it a little bit until we, you know, saw people that really knew about it. So what has the journey been like since and what has uh, God shown you through this process and, and where are we now? Well, the, the quick version of it is that, um, we went to Children's in Birmingham, which is amazing, um, just an incredible place. But uh, we went there, had an appointment. We thought the day that we went uh, that it would be just an appointment. Um, we had no idea what was in store. And we got Amoson back into the room, and the doctor comes in and says, okay, bilateral clubfoot, here's, you know, here's what happens, and here's why this happens. And we got a lot of peace from that. We learned a lot about it. We got some good education. Um, you know, don't ever go to WebMD. Uh, it's, you, you do that and try to figure out this thing and it's a terrible thing. Uh, but we got a lot of education, got a lot of peace. And then another guy, uh, a nurse walks in and he has all these supplies in his hand. And we're just kind of looking at him as the doctor's talking to us and they take Amoson and they lay him on a table and they start wrapping his legs up and we, you know, what, what's going on? And what? he's how old at this point? 
uh, weeks. Um, I think, I think six weeks, um, and, uh, four, four to six weeks and, and they start wrapping his legs and the nurse, uh, you know, he's, he's doing his thing, the casting technician and the doctor says, well, the, the process I just told you about to go through, you know, healing and everything to, to get him, you know, back to a normal state, uh, you know, we're going to start it now, you know, uh, so we had no idea. I, they started putting casts on Amison's legs, uh, from his hips all the way down to, uh, the tips of his toes. And, you know, we had some tears in the room then seeing your little six week old baby in full leg casts, uh, was kind of a shock. I, I called my parents who were out in the waiting room and said, um, get ready. (laughs) You know, uh, we didn't know this was happening today, but he has casts now. And, uh, we went every Wednesday for uh, ten weeks and got new casts put on. Um, they reposition the feet and everything, and readjust and put new casts. And then at the end of that ten weeks, uh, he had surgery on both of his feet, um, had his Achilles tendons completely severed, um, which in an adult would be a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, you know, weeks and weeks of surgery and rehab and stuff, but and a miraculous little baby body. Um, it's just so cool how God works, but that Achilles tendon reattaches itself on its own after two weeks. Uh, it's, it's really a miracle, um, of a thing to watch, but, um, he had that surgery, was in another set of casts. And then, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Forrest Gump, but, uh, the little, the little boots that (laughs) Forrest Gump wears, uh, at the beginning, uh, those little boots and bar is what they're called. Um, he went into something. It's not a full leg brace like that, but uh, it's it's a little strappy sandal with this bar in between them, and it basically is kind of like a retainer. Like if you've ever had braces on your teeth, and then when you get the braces off, you wear a retainer to keep your teeth straight. Um, at the end of the surgery and the casting, his feet were corrected, but now we're wearing these boots and this little bar to sort of retain the correction that's been done. And uh, wore those boots for 24 hours a day for a few months, and that was not fun. Uh, But now, praise the Lord, all of his appointments, every appointment that he's had, he has just done exceptionally well. There's been no setbacks or anything. He's just been a little trooper. Uh, Amoson has through the whole thing, and the Lord has done so much healing. And now we are in the stage of the process where he is wearing his boots and bar 12 hours a day, and that can be done at night while he's asleep. So if you see him running around here in the daycare or on a Sunday morning or anything, you would never even know. You would have no idea. Uh, He's running, climbing, everything, Um, and it's the coolest thing to see. Um, But that's where we are now, and he'll be in his boots until he's about five years old four or five years old. He may have to have another surgery down the road, but we won't find out until about that time, a few more years. So how do you think you are different, maybe you and Cassidy, and this journey is still going on, and it it still may go on for for a while, but how do you see yourself differently now than before? One of the things is trust in the Lord, Um, because when you start thinking about the medical bills and the transportation costs to Birmingham every single week and every set of casts was a like a surgery copay um, and it was just astronomical and we had no idea how any of that would be taken care of and 
I have to give the Lord so much praise. I can't even process what happened. Um, there was not one single dollar of our own that came out of our wallet. People were so generous, and the Lord touched people's hearts to just help through that process, and it was a miracle. Uh, the church that we came from was so gracious and giving and kind um, towards that as well, and our families, of course, but just I can't tell you. I mean, I would open up my PayPal account, and there would just be notes in there from people saying, you know, the Lord prompted my heart to do this, and just I, f- I feel like every day I was texting Cassidy to tell her, you know, we just got $100 from this person. I just got a check from this person. And it was just, it was really a miracle. Um, and every single thing that we needed, every casting session, surgery, all of it. You know, of course, insurance did a great job, but everything that was left over, we didn't have to do any of it. And uh, so just the Lord really showing us, I really do have this. I really do have it. This was not an accident. This was for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I don't think that we'll be able to see all of the reasons until who knows how long. We'll still be learning things from this experience years down the road. But right off the bat, just the provision of the Lord through this trial was incredible. And then watching our our little boy, um, you know, nothing phases him <laughs> uh, unless you don't give him food. <laughs> Which, same here. I'm, yeah. I'm 50 years old. Exactly. I'm the same way. But uh, he's just he's just fine with life, and you know when you can look at him and he doesn't even know what all <laughs> he's been through, and we do it hurts our hearts and we have those memories that are sometimes painful and stuff. But to know that he he just smiles, he's just happy, and the Lord teaches you so much. It's just a constant reminder to choose peace and to choose joy when we see Amoson being joyful over everything. And we see him, I mean, I'll never, ever forget the first steps that he took. Uh, when there was a lot of time in our life that we thought he might not walk. And of course we got education and everything and knew he'll be okay. There's a process to heal, but those initial thoughts of, is he going to walk? Is this going to happen or not? And he took his first steps and we all shouted for joy and then busted out crying (laughs) and just seeing I mean, it's modern-day miracles, you know, all the time. Uh, just seeing the Lord's provision, seeing His healing hand, seeing uh, constant reminders of just make the choice of peace, make the choice of joy uh, in the midst of any trial that comes your way. Um, those are just some of the things that the Lord has taught us. I'm also wondering from a parenting standpoint where where you have this that takes an awful lot of your attention, I'm sure, you and Cassidy understanding that, hey, uh, Ellery's here as well. Uh, let's make sure that she knows she exists and is part of the family too. Do you sometimes just have to step back and, and purposefully make an effort to know that, hey, I, I understand we're, we're giving Amos an awful lot of attention here, yeah. Ellery, but uh, we love you too. Well, it's really cool. Um, you know, I, th- I think what they, I don't know if this is always the case, but the old, you know, cliche phrases of, um, mama's boy and daddy's girl, you know, uh, those have really rung true for us. So Amos is my little buddy. I bring him to school 
every morning. I get him ready and all this kind of stuff, and we play and everything. But the attachment that he has to Cassidy is, um, I mean, it, I don't stand a chance. You know, <laughs> like he's gonna go to her every time. But Ellery is, she is totally mine. Uh, and so even that happening, you know, I can help Cassidy when she needs help, but we pretty much, you know, have our, <laughs> our child, <laughs> one, one child each, you know, uh, that's a terrible way to say it, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Ellery is just, she is stuck to my hip all the time and we have such a cool little relationship and bond and Amoson is still so young that mommy is the most important, you know, I think, uh, everything will shift, uh, in May when, um, baby number three gets here. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but never let them outnumber you. <laughs> right. We I'm made that you. mistake. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. And Ellery is really the best big sister. Uh, it is so cool. I mean, when we, when I remember when we told her that, um, Cassidy was pregnant, uh, not with Amoson, but with, our little girl that's coming in May, uh, her name is Lennon. But when we said there is a baby inside mommy's tummy, uh, Ellery just started crying like tears of joy. We said, are you okay? Are you okay? And she said, I'm just so excited. And it was just the, it was the sweetest thing. And she raised her hand at school one day and, um, oh no, 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 no. It was at the vacation Bible school family day thing that we had here. And I think it was, um, Jessica up on stage, she said, what's your favorite thing? And Ellery raised her hand and said, my baby brother. And it really is the truth, like how close she is to Amoson. I'm sure that'll change one day in the horrible teenage years, but right now they're super great pals. So <laughs> that helps a lot too. <laughs> Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does that, and, and of course this is a continuing journey, but how does it translate into your ministry, both as a worship leader and as a college minister? Hmm. Man, that's a really great question. Um, I think just being a parent in general, uh, you know, last night um, was Wednesday night, and I had yet another illustration, you know, uh, from Ellery and Amoson that I shared, and it was just so timely. Uh, and I think, first of all, just being a parent in general really changes uh, the, the way that you minister a lot. Another thing is, um, there is a song that we do, um, called Yes, I Will. And it's sort of a, a promise that you're making to the Lord as you sing it. But the chorus of it says, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. And I remember singing that song for the first time after Amoson was born and we didn't have answers yet. And uh, one of the ways that that has changed my ministry as a worship leader is there are so many songs that have come into a whole new light for me. Um, and I have, you know, those anchor points, those connecting points that I talked about earlier and stories in my life, um, a lot of them have sort of really been refreshed and renewed through stories that have to do with my children and through the journey that Amoson has walked through. Um, but I, I will never forget that song is so special to me now. Yes, I will, because the Lord, you know, I, I just really felt him 
speaking to my heart saying, well done. When I was singing that song and I really meant it with all of my heart, yes, I will. Lord, I will still praise you and bless your name even in the midst of this valley right now that we don't have any answers for. I just, you know, you kind of feel that peace like, good job, do that. Keep doing that and I will keep speaking to you and I will keep healing and I will, you keep praising and you keep lifting me up in the midst of, of pain and uncertainty and I will bless that. And uh, I think a lot of, you know, as, as a worship leader, that's how a lot of things have changed. It's just some of these songs really coming to life for me in ways that they never would have before. And do you also actually see as you're communicating some of these truths to college students, they're not married yet, they're not into that point where they could be experiencing some of the things that you have and getting them to understand, okay, when this moment does get here, <laughs> this is this is some wisdom you'll need to know. And yeah. uh, can, you, can you see the importance of trying to instill that in folks yeah. that haven't experienced that yet? Absolutely. Um, you know, the one of the things that I talked about just last night, we're starting out um, talking about some things having to do with Christmas. And I said, I know that this won't make a, a huge connection with the ones in the room who are not parents, which the only one besides me who was a parent in the room was um, one of our adult volunteers last night uh, in the ministry. But I said, imagine the the sacrifice of God giving up Jesus to be born you know, we don't, we don't talk about that enough. And I, I said, I have a little girl and a little boy and another little girl on the way, and there's no force on heaven or earth that would be able to take them out of my hands. Um, I would not give them up for anything. And, you know, being able to connect to the Word in a new way um, because of knowing that connection as a parent and everything is amazing. But being able to deliver an illustration with so much more fervor, um, I think is one of the coolest things that the Lord does through having children and having a journey and a story. Uh, it helps me understand the heart of the Father even more, you know. And But being able to communicate that is really cool. And like you said, yes, I, I can't wait for even more opportunities to talk about things like that with those college students in the future. Bradley Roper, I can't imagine a better way to, to end things. We, we certainly wish you and Cassidy and the family well as the journey continues, it never ends. It's good to be here. Thanks for asking me. Thank you. I'm Lance Griffin. You've been listening to Ridgecrest Stories.